Hey, right where you are, would you just join me in prayer? Lord, we're just so thankful that uh, you did accomplish uh, enough. You did enough. And then, God, you uh, promised to declare us enough. We've received that um, over our lives, and we are so grateful that we're enough today. Lord, just thank you as we open up your word. Thank you for giving us these truths that instruct our lives and lead us uh, into the way that you've actually called us to be so that this world might experience uh, this truth that we sang about, that they're able to be enough and they can be set free inside of your promises. So God, as we open up your promises, God, I pray that it would transform our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks so much for being with us today. Uh, I'm so excited about last week and hanging out. Uh, what a joy to be back together again. Hey, reminder, we're going to be back next month, North Star Church, uh, September 27th, so mark your calendars, and I can't wait to see you guys there. God's just doing some incredible things. Uh, I just want to give you guys a little bit of an update about our last gathering. Uh, I've been talking to some people, one of those being my six-year-old niece, Lindsay. Uh, after school, the day after we met, uh, she's riding home with my wife, and she uh, speaks up to Shannon and says, uh, Shannon, uh, the story that was told about uh, my cousin Blakely at school, something like that happened to me. And just to watch um, a six-year-old, or a seven-year-old, sorry, sorry, Lindsay, uh, a seven-year-old really grasp a truth that opened up her life to actually share what she was walking through and dealing with is such a gift from God. And I'm just so thankful uh, for all of our kids as they engage and worship with us. What a joy to watch families worshiping together. One of the, one of the, also the most special things that I received was a text message from one of my new friends. And he said uh, uh, that he text, if you'll remember part of the, of the, of the time together, we invited a time of prayer over somebody that maybe you've been dealing with, maybe it's been a challenge, or maybe you've had a perceived enemy in your life. We prayed a prayer of blessing over, over somebody that maybe we've had a difficult time with. My friend shot me a text and said, hey, you're never going to believe this. God's doing some weird stuff. During that time, I prayed a blessing over a certain person. This person actually reached out uh, to me this week shot me a text and said, hey, listen, I'm sorry for the history that we've had, and I want to give a blessing to you. I actually know that you're looking for a house right now, and I want to put a down payment on your house for you. I'm not saying that God does this every single time for people as you step in, but he, he, as we're talking on the phone, he says, here's what I'm experiencing. Exactly what that psalm said as I... Uh, turn my feet to God's testimonies. I think about my way. I turn my feet to what God says. And then experiencing the steadfast love of God, just the favor of God showing up inside of his promises. Just absolutely mind-blowing. And he's like, man, I just can't believe that. Like, let's keep going. And I just believe that as we step in and this word continues to be the lamp to our feet, the light to our path, and really leads us in the way forward, I just believe more of us are going to begin to experience the favor of God as our lives transform and we step further into God's call on each one of our lives. Man, today we're going to continue through talking about Acts and we're walking through uh, this book 
And, and it's been just life-changing for me. All through this book, though, as I've, I've got to like chapters 4, 5, and 6, and we're going to kind of focus in on 6. But at 6, man, it's been so interesting to see how it kind of lines up with what's exactly going on right now. The year of 2020 has been back and forth, and we've talked about it week after week. But as I'm reading through this, these chapters, I, 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 it sounds very familiar. So you've got chapter 4 of Acts, and it says that all things, they had all things in common. Everybody's got one heart, one mind. Things are rolling, going smooth. Then you've got chapter 5 right after that. You've got a husband and a wife who go off the rails and start living exactly opposite of one heart, one mind. They want the whole thing about them, Ananias and Sapphira. You remember the story. But right after that, the, the incident with Ananias and Sapphira, you, you've got the end of chapter 4 uh, where everybody hears about this and awe comes over the church. And there's a lot more people that hear about these stories and they're, they're in absolute, uh, just, just in awe of God. But as they're in awe, the end of chapter 5 also, you get, then you get the high priest and all of his friends, they're super jealous, and then they, they begin to wreak havoc on the church, throwing people in prison. As you continue on, <laughs> then the angel opens up the prison doors, then more people come to faith because they hear all these crazy stories. Then you get into chapter 6, right off the bat, verse 1, and this is kind of where we're going to pick up our story today. The disciples, it says, were increasing in number. That means the message is continuing to grow. The gospel is just that good. It can't be stopped. But it says in verse 1 that in the midst of that, a complaint arose. What kind of complaint could arise here? It was actually between two different people groups. The Hellenists, who were Greek-speaking Jews, and the Hebrew-speaking Jews. Basically, these two people groups didn't like each other because one felt like they were better than the other. Sounds like some issues that maybe we're dealing with today. Big issues are facing the church. It was back and forth, good thing, bad thing. And that's exactly maybe how you feel today. 2020 has been back and forth. But there's maybe some partiality that, that you're experiencing. Or maybe you're seeing it on the news. Maybe you're seeing politics. We got partiality of politics. We got partiality of idea. We got partiality of race. We got a partiality of of opinion, and everybody's got their different style and idea of what should happen. But things have not changed, my friend. They haven't changed a bit. And there's been infighting, and there's been good thing and bad thing. We talked about it last week, but literally, there's a spiritual battle going on, and we're still in it today. Let's not be shocked at these days, because they were not shocked in, during this time either. But they didn't sit still, and that's the key. We're not going to sit still either. And I believe actually that there's some people who are beginning to learn how to walk that this passage today is actually going to help us understand how we can be mature, well-formed believers in Jesus that actually make a big difference, like a leadership impact difference. We're going to actually look at what the early church did. See, they didn't sit still. They did something about it. But there might be a temptation the psalm says, I think upon my ways and I turn my feet to your testimonies as Psalm 119.59. But what happens when I get stuck thinking about it? I don't know about you, but when I get stuck just thinking inside my head, uh, anxiety. And many of us understand what anxiety feels like. 
But I want to encourage you today. I, I heard something so awesome that Craig Rochelle said. He talked about anxiety uh, being a warning sign. And when he said that, it brought something to my mind. And I started thinking, uh, anxiety it can't be the finish line for our life. It's got to be the warning sign for our life. I'm going to say that again. Anxiety is not a finish line. It's a warning sign. Check what Philippians uh, 4, 6 says. It says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends every bit of understanding, is going to guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So what's this saying? It's saying, don't be anxious about anything. In other words, here's, here's where it starts. Maybe you're feeling anxious today, but don't let it end with anxiety. Anxiety is not who you are, but maybe you're very sensitive to some of the warning signs that some of us should be more sensitive to. Maybe it weighs on you and you just, you're, you're asking the question, what can I do? And when you don't know what to do, all that, that worry or, or that awareness of the warning sign builds up in our life and we've got to have an outlet. What does the scripture invite us to have the outlet to? So don't be anxious. That means don't stay there. What's our next step? Pray. You want to do something? Maybe, maybe, in fact, if you're a little bit more anxiety prone, maybe anxiety is actually the warning sign for your life to become a prayer-filled person. Maybe God's actually gifted you with something to see. And maybe he's invited you to be a great prayer warrior. And in fact, if the scriptures are true, maybe, just maybe, uh, your anxiety could be the transformation uh, piece in your life that maybe you once saw as a curse, God wants to transform to a blessing. Maybe, just maybe, it's the warning sign for your life, not the finish line for your life. Would you, as you get anxious, begin to bring those anxieties to the Lord and begin to step into prayer? I just want to invite you to do that this week and just see what God does. Watch how He moves. The scriptures are pretty clear that a lot of times we don't have because we haven't even asked yet. Maybe, just maybe, God wants to be discovered by you in a really fresh way. So are you feeling anxious today, my friend? Why don't you just voice those requests to him and then watch God do his stuff. Don't stop. Keep going. And then tell of his stories. But here's exactly what happened uh, in the early church. This church, they believed in prayer. And the disciples, when, when they heard that there was this great problem arising, they said, we've got to devote ourselves to teaching and to prayer. We cannot stop doing this. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to call some really good people. And we're going to talk about what did those people look like? Why did they choose these people? What was different about their lives? Check this out. Acts 6 verse 3. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you Seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. You see, the disciples, they weren't anxious. Their response begins by searching not for credentials, but for character. A lot of the issues that we've got in today is because we've looked for credentials, not character. I promise you, they weren't looking for some kind of degree. They weren't looking for some kind of piece of paper. They weren't looking for an education. They were looking for the application of the word. And let's dive in 
and, and discover a little bit more of what that looked like. I want to read this again, Acts 6.3. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. The, t- the problem in the church was some people weren't getting food and some people were. There was a great dispute and there was people crying, unfair, unfair. And so they decided, here's what we're going to do. Uh, we don't have time to run a food kitchen, so let's get some guys who are able to do this. Find people who are three characteristics. Number one, they're good reputation. Number two, they're full of the Spirit. And number three, they're full of wisdom. But listen, the first thing I want to focus in is this good reputation. A good reputation comes with consistency. What's something about a reputation? I think about Michael Jordan. When I say Michael Jordan, what do you actually think about? You think about the tongue, right? Why did the tongue? Because consistently, as he's driving the lane, or as he's thinking about that shot, that tongue is always out, consistent. If you're a wrestling fan, when I say Ric Flair, what do you think about? Woo! Right? Consistent, right? You could probably think of other examples. Maybe if you're in the room with somebody, just share an example today. Just give a holler. Share an example today of something consistent. What's some, somebody that you thought about? I'll give you a second. But you see, reputation was a big deal. Reputation revealed that these people who were being called out were not silent about this Jesus they were following. Everybody knew. They were out front and loud about it. Maybe not obnoxious about it, but they were known for this Jesus. That's why I said, look for somebody with a good reputation. Understand that 1 Timothy 3 talks about an overseer and that reputation. And unfortunately, as I watch the news, there's a lot of reputations that are being so tarnished. But do you know what? Uh, Because we have valued credentials over character. And I just want to encourage all of us as we understand what the Bible teaches about spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity is not a piece of paper that says you are educated. And that's held back many a people from actually stepping in to their full potential. I'm not that doctorate. I haven't gone to that kind of school. But that is not the credentials that they were looking for that day to run the food kitchen. In fact, do you know what they also weren't looking for? They weren't looking for somebody who had run a food kitchen before. Listen, listen. They were looking for somebody who had good character and they had the reputation of it. This is, I promise you, who God is looking for in these days to step up and step forward to lead the people of God. You might be that person. And I believe just what maybe has held you back is not actually the truth. And the truth should be empowering to you that as you step in and you live a consistent life in Christ and other people begin to know this life that you're living, you're being called out, my friend. You're being called out. So step up and step out, not because you have credentials, but because God is actually doing something and has been doing something in your life for an extended amount of time and everybody knows about it. Are people confirming that around you today? Then potentially, maybe God's doing something really special in your life. The second thing uh, that we see in this passage that they were looking for, for this mature believer to actually take on leadership responsibility in the church was that they were going to be full of the Spirit. And what that simply means was, is that the Spirit is going to be displaying His full power through them. 
So there's going to be some things that were unexplainable happening through their life. There was going to be some acts and moves of God through these people and through their words. And so we see some of the guys that were picked, Stephen and Philip, and they're mentioned uh, later on. And I can't wait to get to their stories. But the third thing that we see is that they were full of wisdom. Now, wisdom, you might think, is like applied knowledge or, or comprehensive insight. But if, if you would say that, that that's true or like the applied uh, knowledge, it would really more so, uh, that would be more of a definition of like omniscience, like all-knowing. You would have to be all-knowing in order to put knowledge into practice. So what, what is wisdom? Here's, here's a good definition of what wisdom is. Wisdom is the spiritual maturity to say what Jesus says, think the way Jesus thinks, and to do what Jesus did, and the courage to continue in it. This is what wisdom is. Applied understanding of a relationship through the person of Jesus. It's putting his life into practice in my life and staying consistent with it. That's courage because everything he did is supernatural. It goes against the natural proclivities in our life. I think about the beginning of wisdom is to understand uh, that I don't actually have wisdom. That's what, the, that's what Proverbs says. The beginning of wisdom in my life is actually to realize that God has it, I don't. I don't know the way, but he does know the way. And so what's our invitation uh, from James 1? We can understand if you don't have wisdom or this isn't part of your life, here's what James 1.5 actually invites you into. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. So where does wisdom begin today? Wisdom begins in prayer. Some of us might think uh, a little bit, remember back when you were in middle school or high school? Uh, I remember those days when I thought I was really wise. Do you know why I thought I was wise? Because I had some experience under my belt. But some of us, uh, we live in our experience and we actually never reach maturity. We reach an age and we call it maturity, but our spiritual maturity is that of a babe. What this word actually invites us into is understanding that spiritual wisdom actually comes from seeking somebody or someone who has wisdom. It's actually stepping in by prayer in every situation and circumstance of your life. It's actually when you're about to walk into work and you have a big meeting and the pressure is on and you say, God, what do you want me to do today? What what is this? Give me your wisdom for this room today that I might see with your eyes, not mine. Maybe it's not about the money at your job right now. Maybe it was never supposed to be about the money. Maybe as you walk in your home today uh, from your workplace, as you step in, you have some assumptions based on experience. But maybe God's wisdom is, God, what do you want me to see about my wife today? Or what do you want me to see about my husband today? How should I notice him the way you would notice him? Or how would I notice her the way you notice her? How would you notice my kids I want to step in the Jesus way and actually live out wisdom. What James 1 says, if you, by prayer, invite God to speak to you in that way, he will give it to you right then. He wants to speak to you. He wants to lead you. Now, spiritual maturity in wisdom looks like doing that a lot. And it is second nature. It becomes who we are. 
And every single moment is that of a breath of prayer at every moment. And every single experience, if that's how God shows up, that means that every experience in my life is now this mighty move of God because he's all over it. It's not me. This is what it looks like to be filled with the Spirit of God. They're connected. But you've got to have God's wisdom in order to pour out God's Spirit. So you need, you need to step in the way of Jesus, not the way that you've maybe experienced. Maybe not even the way that makes sense. He forsakes crowds to find Zacchaeus. And he sometimes leaves the one and goes off by himself into a desert. He sometimes dismisses crowds when you think, man, you're just now getting popular, man. Come on. Like he does things that don't quite make sense in the moment to our minds. But I believe that Jesus displays a spiritual wisdom that many of us are actually meant to encounter and experience in this life. But you cannot do it, cannot receive it outside of communion with the Father God, which is what we were meant to walk in. This is why Jesus died, my friend. Not just to forgive your sins, but to be in relationship with you. He loves you. And this is the only way that it's possible. Heaven is available to us through the person of Jesus. You've been brought near the person of God through what Jesus did for you. These are promises for us to receive and accept. And if this is true, then if we step in boldly and we enter the holiest place and we can call to our dad, who's all-powerful, creator God, we should see the same life Jesus lived we're going to begin experiencing it ourselves. This is the promise for you and I. But maybe you feel stuck under the weight. Maybe you're saying, Jay, I don't even know where to begin. Jesus told a story in Luke 15 that helps us know where to begin this journey of maturity. He tells a story of a young boy who decides to do what he always wanted to do, only to find out it wasn't what he actually wanted. You might know the story of the prodigal son. But here's what happens as he takes his dad's money, he goes to a faraway land, blows every penny of it, finds himself in the dirt feeding pigs. And there's, there's a fascinating line in this story in verse 17 when it says, but he came to himself. The word literally means he came back to his right mind. Like he just went off the rails a little bit and just went out there. And all of a sudden, as he was at the heaviest moment of his life, he came back to right thinking. But I wonder if he'd ever have had that heavy of an encounter had he not spent every penny. I wonder if every dollar was actually a step toward God, not away. I wonder if it was those dollars that he blew that amounted to this moment where it was so heavy and it led him back to the place of absolute hopelessness where he could actually see what hope really was. Some of you feel so far but maybe perhaps this distance is only leading you to a greater affection to the king. Maybe he's been calling you all along. Maybe he allowed you to walk that far, but he's been calling you back and you know it. I believe this is what this younger son was experiencing when it says that he came back to his right mind. And do you know what he thought? I still have a dad. I'll go back that way. So he begins his journey back home. And every walk starts with a step. Every way we walk starts with a step. Do you need to change the direction you're walking today? I encourage you, would you take a step today? 
Maybe it's one step, but I encourage you, one step is one step in a, in a journey that you're invited to. But sometimes these steps aren't quite realized uh, in the way that we wish they would. But here's what happened in this story. With every one step that that son made, the Scripture says that while he was a far way off, taking his one step at a time, it says his dad noticed him. Do you know what happened? His dad started running. Here's the truth for us today. With every step that we take, the promise of the Scripture says, if you will draw near to me, I will draw near to you. But what Jesus told this story, by the way, Jesus told this story. As you take one step, he's running. He's running a lot faster. And when he gets to you in your moment, right where you are, do you know what he says to the son? As the son begins to explain himself, the son says, forgive me, dad. I, I don't even want to be a son, but I just want to be a servant. You know what the dad says? The, the scripture says, but he said to him, he responded, you're not going to be my servant, you're going to be my son. And so here's our first step. As we see this story today, maybe you decide, I need to take a step, but I don't know how to take a step, Jay. I, did, I, I pray that you would take the step that this younger son took. Maybe you're coming back to your right mind, and you're like, I've been walking this way, and I don't want to do it anymore. I want to walk another way. If you're coming back to that place, then here's what this verse says. If you just want to be honest with God, don't worry about the words. Be honest. Talk to him. And then let him direct you from that place that you share honestly. Let him love you right where you are. And as you take one step, here's the promise that he is sprinting to you right now, right where you are. And along the journey, as he makes his way there, as he gets there instantly, he'll come right now if you call him right now. And as he comes right now, here's going to be the process of maturity that you're going to walk to. He's going to meet you. He's going to love you. You're going to experience favor and love is going to flood your life. And here's what he does. He says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Now let's walk together from the place that I meet you. I will walk every step of the way back to our house. And so here's what happens. When you meet Jesus today, ask him, tell him that you want to meet him today. You want a new heart today. You want to turn a new direction. You're asking for his help. You don't want to be Lord of your life anymore. You want him to be Lord. You want him to be dad. And if you'll surrender today, he will meet you right where you are, right there, right now, in a room full of people or a room by yourself. He'll meet you right where you are. And when he meets you there, right there, he's going to walk you down a journey. Continue to say yes. Continue just to do the things that you see Jesus do. And then here's what's going to happen. As you do that, you're going to get changed. You're going to grow. You're going to mature, and you're going to look a lot like the dad. Do you know what he's going to invite you to do? Stand on the front porch and look for more. And do you know what you're going to begin doing? You're going to begin running when you see him far off. This is the invitation into maturity that the apostles invited Stephen and Philip and those other men into. I'm going to send you out now as you have matured and you walk the road of Jesus, and we are now sending you out as little Christ among this world so that this world gets to experience the Jesus that you and I have experienced. I invite you, my friend, not to listen to sermons, but to experience the sermon as you step in and begin to walk with the king. He will use you for more than you think or imagine. This is what he desires to do today. I want you to have this conversation in your group. What step do you need to make today?
What step do you need to make today? Would you share that with the people in your group? Would you be honest? And maybe if you're not willing to be honest, maybe you're not there yet, I just encourage you, would you, would you have a time of prayer right where you are? Would you just open the stage to pray? Just, just pray and be honest with the king and let him uh, meet you right where you are, right there, right now. Would you, would you just bow our heads? Right now, just be honest with him. Just tell him exactly where you are. Tell him exactly how you feel. And say, Jesus, what do you say to me? John 3.16, God loved the world so much that he gave his life for you. This is his word. And he promises to be with you forever, never to leave you, never to forsake you. Whether you feel like he's been far, he's not, he's near. This is just the word. My prayer is uh, that as we digest the word together, it will be the lamp to our feet and the light to our path. and We will continue down this road together. If you're not in a life group, I want to encourage you. Would you step into a group right here? You can... Uh, Check out this link, and we'd love to connect you with people around this city to walk the journey together. Don't walk this by yourself. You don't just need them. They actually need you. So would you step in with us and experience together? Maybe this is the first step that you need to take next. Um, if you're interested in baptism, maybe you've received Jesus, and you're like, I, w- I don't know where to start. Baptism is the next uh, space for you. So you can connect with us as well right through that link, and we'd love to connect with you. Thank you for joining us today, and we can't wait for next week as we continue our series through Acts. Love you guys. Talk soon.